From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 30. Today's very special episode is brought to you by our friends over at Hover, who give you simplified domain management, SaneBox, where you can clean up your inbox and spend less time on your email, and Swift Summit, a two-day conference on the state of Swift right here in London, England. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by the one and only Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hey, Mike, how are you? I am very well. And a man who is... Just returned from jet-setting around the globe, three time zones, three countries, 48 hours, Mr. Federico Vitici. Hey, guys. I feel like I don't know which language I'm supposed to speak anymore. (laughs) German. (laughs) Everywhere that you went, they speak English. So just if you go with that, you'll be fine. Yeah, that's true. Just stick with English. I I, I actually, when 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 I was back in Rome last night... For a moment, like I went to grab dinner with a friend who picked me up at the airport, and for a second, I was about to say thank you to the to the lady um, at the restaurant, and then I realized it was in Italy. So I switched to Italian. <laughs> that was super weird. Like I was in my in my okay, I'm in a shop, so I need to say you know I need to talk in English mode, and and I didn't realize that I was in Italy. I've been feeling off all day. Anyway, um, hi Mike and Steve. <laughs> hey buddy. <laughs> so we have a real we have a real huge show, and we have a a, a chunky amount of follow up to get through, um, and do. also Sorry topic zero point five and zero point five point one. So we should probably get started. So we'll just jump right into follow up. Um, first up, we have part three, the final chapter of the connected comic book strip, uh, which we've covered. Parts one and two, um, maybe we can put all three in the show notes. And uh, the uh, I, we're not going to spoil the ending here, but I, for one, was very satisfied with the way that our story ended. Yeah, this I didn't see it going that way, and uh, I the third part is my favorite part. There's yeah, what, what bit me too. I, I really there was one bit that I really really liked. Um, oh, the when it finishes the training. When we finished yeah. the training, and Federico's like, I don't understand what we've accomplished. I think that was my, when when I read that, I just laughed out yeah. loud. I really liked that. That sentence really sums up the entire uh, <laughs> connected podcast uh, experience for us. We've done something, but we don't know what it was. Uh, it's good. It's good. We'll, um, there's a, a couple surprise guests. Um, the bad guy, there's a bad guy. It's all, it's all really, really great. Um, Mike, if someone wanted to see this, where could they go about finding it? You can find our show notes over at relay.fm slash connected slash 30. Whew, 30? Mm-hmm. The show is now older than me, finally. No, that's, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, so up next, we have uh, some artwork by listener uh, Michael, who wrote uh, emailed us in who did some artwork based on Federico's fitness and health article, which is uh, really cool. It's got a phone, and it's uh, got apps flying into it. It's really pretty awesome. It's really Uh, nice, yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. So um, Federico has committed to getting this as a tattoo across his chest. So um, we'll follow up on that. (laughs) Uh, Yesterday. Yesterday. Um, so You're tired. It's it's hard to remember. Don't what's try to make this an excuse for everything. <laughs> 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 um, up next, some iPhone uh, six plus follow up, and it's more some like questions for us. Uh, three questions. Uh, the first one from Robert is um, Robert says, "I'm having lots of issues hitting the RAM limit on the six plus. Have you guys seen this?" 
So a little background, the 6 and 6 Plus have the same amount of RAM, which is a gigabyte, but the 6 Plus has many more pixels and much more display to drive. And um, I've, in my time with the 6 Plus, I have noticed some audio tearing. So if I'm listening to a podcast or listening to music, I'm, if I go to switch apps or if I like reload a Safari tab or something, I'll get a little glitch in the audio. And I don't know if that's RAM or not. Uh, my iPhone six doesn't do that. Uh, what about the two of you guys? Have you guys seen anything with the, with this sort of problem? No, not the audio glitch. No, I haven't I saw that the, either. The, just the usual memory problem with the apps refreshing, but not the, the audio one. Yeah. So that might've just been the, the unit I had, but, um, yeah, the the apps flushing out of memory definitely noticed. I mean, I think I think this thing will will do much better if Apple uh, upgrades the RAM, which the rumor is that the next uh, batch of phones will be two gigs of RAM to match the iPad Air two, and I think that will be a good. Um, I think that'll be a good addition to the iPhone line. One thing that I do see, like apps, the data refreshes sometimes uh, quite aggressively. Um, so like uh, for example I, I've had this problem and this might, I don't know if this is a 6 plus problem but sometimes sometimes I leave like I go I'm playing Alto's Adventure and I like open another app and go back and the, and the whole level is restarted and sometimes oh, yeah. sometimes All that doesn't time. happen but I don't know yeah I think that's the app getting flushed out but yeah. I'm not um, I'm not super sure <laughs> someone in the chat room if Apple doesn't give the next iPhone 8 gigs of RAM it's doomed yeah that's true mm, uh, good luck um so Andy writes in, Andy asks, um, if we're using the six plus in workouts, he says, uh, he uses the six in an armband and it works really well. The six plus seems like it would be bulky strapped to your arm. Um, I agree that it probably would be. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I, well, it, it depends on your arm. Dep- uh, Mike, you swim mostly, so I guess you haven't taken your six plus swimming. I put it in my speedo; it's not a problem. I'm just gonna carry right on from that. Nathan asks um, or says, after several months of having the six, I found that I wasn't using my iPad Mini as much, and he ended up going to a six plus plus his MacBook. So kind of collapse his iPad and phone usage into one device. I know, Mike, that's what's happened to you more or less. Uh, I don't right? use it at all. I never use my mini. Didn't you just buy a new iPad again? It's, it's complicated. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> we moving on from that? Question, uh, no, huh? I did buy an iPad Air 2, but it's it was more about replacing the iPad that my kids use for like school stuff, because it was an iPad Mini 1 and running like educational. Like a lot of those or media heavy apps. And like, I was watching my daughter try to like draw a letter on it and it was stuttering and like falling, falling down. And so I gave them my iPad mini two and I bought an iPad air two, which is super uh, awesome and fast. I think my comment when Stephen told me this was like, what I find really interesting is Federico is the iPad guy, but Stephen has owned and bought more iPads than Federico. I think like every couple of weeks you're changing your <laughs> iPad. It's just again. been, it's just been that the mini two didn't last very long. That's all. Uh, <laughs> I will, hey, you should be proud of me that I did not buy an iPhone 6 Plus, even though I really wanted to. You talked me into waiting until the fall to See, go yeah, I did. the big one. So you've given yours back now? Yes, it is no longer in my possession. I'm back just on the 6, and it feels tiny and terrible and small, but what can you do? Federico, how did you find traveling with the 6 Plus? It was amazing. It was awesome, especially because the battery lasts so much. Yeah. Like it was, it actually saved me uh, because when I was uh, at the airport and I couldn't charge my phone, I still had like the 
that 20% left. That was really convenient. And it was like when I hand when I handed the iPhone to um, at the airport to uh, like um, for the check-in for the scanning the boarding pass, I noticed that a lot of people were extremely careful with you know holding the six plus. And actually, one person at the at the gate uh, said like, "Oh, this is the big one. Like I'm I'm not used to to the big one. I gotta be extremely careful with this one uh, because I I'm used to the smaller ones." Um, but yeah, it, it worked fine, and and the battery the battery was great. Um, that was my my like something that I really noticed. Uh, and for all the other stuff, I think my comments from from the past episodes are still the same. Yeah, I, I definitely the battery life is I have noticed uh, coming back to the six the the battery life is I, I miss those extra hours uh, for sure. Um. So yeah, so do we have any, Federico, do you have any closing thoughts on the 6 Plus more than what we've covered in the past? Or well, I still to... have, a, have a couple of weeks left um, to try it. So I think I'll, I'll save the final thoughts for the end. Okay. It's, it's still an ongoing trial and experiment. Okay. Um, I'm really liking the, the battery life and the camera. And of course the screen because it lets me see more at once, but it hasn't impacted my usage of the iPad, which is interesting, I think, but I, I want to uh, I want to make these considerations at the end. Cool. That's, uh, that's more than fair. Um, like I said, I think I will be going to the, the bigger phone in the fall. Um, Mike was right. Mike was right. It's fine. That's, that's 2015. It's the year of Mike being right. Yeah. It's, uh, last year was the year of, of Luigi. And also Mike being wrong. <laughs> also yeah. Mike being wrong. This year, this year is the is the right time for you. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're gonna get to the uh, Apple Watch, but we have some follow up uh, for the Apple Watch first. Um, we had last week some price guessing, and oh. we said that we were going to apply the Price Is Right rules uh, to oh, yeah. this, um, which who won? Well, so that's what we're gonna do. Um, Basically, the price is right. Rules are you cannot go over. So, so to back up, we guessed the starting price for Apple Watch and Apple Watch Edition. And if you go over, you're disqualified. You want to be under, but as close as possible. So, for instance, if the answer was $100 and I said 101 and Mike said $1, Mike would win, um, which is a little crazy. Um, These rules make no sense. I wish I wouldn't have claimed <laughs> Price is Right rules on There's this now. <laughs> a, well, there, so so the chat room just provided us uh, the Price is White Wikipedia uh, entry or uh, Price is Right Wiki, uh, the rules to this. Um, so for let's do the Apple Watch first. So Federico, you said it would be $699 to start on the stainless steel. Uh, Michael... I believe you said five hundred and ninety nine, and I came in at the highest at seven ninety nine. And um, if we were a game show, this is where we would have some music. But uh, Mike, where does the uh, where does the Apple Watch pricing start? Apple, you, do you know? Store dot Apple. Oh, I'm doing the same thing. I was hoping someone com. else was there. Uh, uh, store. I'm pressing the store button, Apple and now watch. I'm pressing the watch button. And now I'm pressing view models and pricing. What are we looking at here? Like with so, the sport so, band? Yeah. So the Apple Watch starts at 549. Yeah. We were all higher than that. Okay. So, 
Well, no that's, that's the 38 millimeter. The 42 is 599. Um, so they're, they're give, the starting We'll give models. it to you. We'll give it to Mike. Yes. We'll give it to Mike. Uh, which is fine because you lose the next one. Okay. Uh, Apple Watch <laughs> Edition. Federico, you said $8,000 to start. I said $6,999 to start. And Mike Hurley went insane and said $15,000 to start. <laughs> Why did you say $15,000? Because I wanted to, to get it in case it was above. <laughs> See, I didn't understand the rules. Otherwise, I would have said ten. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so, Michael, where does the iPhone watch it? Or iPhone. The Apple Watch Edition. Watch edition. The iPhone the- Watch Edition starts at $10,000. So, that would make... Senor Vitici, the winner. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have the gold. Yes. Yeah, so yes. So Federico wins a Apple Watch edition, <laughs> and Mike wins a sports. Do I? Uh, no, you don't. We can't afford that. <laughs> yeah, I won the I won the seventeen thousand one. Um, yeah, it's uh, you're gonna yeah. have to find a different thirty-eight millimeter, eighteen carat rose gold case with rose gray modern buckle. Okay, <laughs> I'll get right on that for you, buddy. I'll just put that in my <laughs> budget you. for next month. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. So we also spoke about the Pebble having a port for smart bands. And there's been a lot of back and forth on this. Uh, our buddy and uh, really friend of the world, Matthew Panzerino at TechCrunch, has an article saying that the Apple Watch does have a what appears to be a diagnostic port inside the bottom of the case where the bottom part of the band slides in and maybe that could be used for something in the future 9 to 5 Mac says that that's there for testing it won't ship with that but then in the video Panzerino pointed out that the it looks like the port is there like in the when they like pan over all the steel cases in those crazy Johnny I videos so uh, no one knows but I I do think that if it is there it is diagnostic like the like the USB port on the back of the Apple TV I don't see this being some sort of way to have a band that does something clever in the future, uh, at least in this generation of hardware. I'll say that at the event, they didn't let people exchange bands. Yeah, I saw that. I was hoping someone would have tried that to see how easy it was. Um, they, were but, taking, uh, they were taking care of uh, swapping the bands for you. Gotcha. Which is probably why, I mean, they want to hide, you know, the, 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 there's a diagnostic port on, on, the, on, the, on the units on display at the, at the event, I guess. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, those display units could be, you know, Apple internal ones and not slated yeah. for retail. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe they didn't trust you and they thought you might run away with them. With a true band? Yeah. <laughs> probably. Hey, yeah. You get one of those gold ones, buddy, just, and you're in the money. Just, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, just, just the band, not the watch. Yeah. The bands are all, well, we'll get to that, but the bands are all cheaper than I thought they would be. Um, so last bit of follow-up has to do with our end-of-the-show topic last week where, Federico, you were having trouble uh, basically getting your router to go on and off at night and in yep. the morning automatically. Yep. Um, and listener Andrew wrote in and said, sometimes a low-tech, a low-tech solution <laughs> is best and links to the clapper, which <laughs> if you're not familiar uh, with the clapper, it's a device that you plug like a lamp or something into and then you clap your hands and it turns on or off depending on its current status um it's been made fun of a lot at least here in the states uh for being mostly made for ancient people but uh maybe it could work for you federico i think you should get one yeah this is a good suggestion and speaking of the the wemo switch that i mentioned uh, was it last week i feel like i don't remember anymore um, anyway, 
I got two different types of feedback about the Wemo switch. The first type is that the timer that you set in the settings can only be activated over the web. So the timer is not local, but it's activated from the like from your cloud account, That's from your insane. Wemo account. So insane. That's insane. So because you so if I want to turn off my router, I cannot do that because the timer is not local in the switch in the physical switch. Which seems odd. It just seems second, like it's like it's inefficient. Like, yes. It's counterproductive. Um, the second type of feedback is that this is simply a bug, which uh, was recently introduced in the in a version of the of the firmware of the Balkan Wemo switch, and that should be resolved. Which would explain why, for me, sometimes it works and other times it doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I, basically, I still don't know. Maybe I should really get a Clapper. Yeah, yeah, and you know, maybe it'll maybe Clapper will support HomeKit, so you could. Um, clap at your iPhone and turn off. I think there's a lot of there's <laughs> a lot of untapped potential here. Clap at Siri. Yeah. And activate my, my Just press the button. Yeah, I think that's fine. <laughs> um so that is the follow up this week, gentlemen. I have a very, very small topic that, yes, I, it that is, I would like to talk it's about. Topic zero point five. Um, I just saw this this go by today that Apple is donating uh, over fifty million dollars to a couple of different charities: the Thurgood Marshall College Fund and the National Center for Women in Information Technology. To this is to improve diversity in tech in general, and also to help Apple uh, try and find new people and foster new talent to help them increase their own diversity in the future. Um, I thought that this was incredible. I, I didn't really see many people talking about it. This happened. Uh, yesterday as we were recording and it's just led me to say this one thing that uh, when I was reading this and and, and I've thought this for a while I I think I prefer Tim Cook's Apple to Steve's Apple um, for for a lot of these types of things I think as a company uh, they're a lot more responsible they they seem to at least outwardly do more for diversity and seem to be even more concerned uh, with the environment and I think that, like, Steve Jobs wanted to change the world of his products and, like, you know, change the world with, you know, the fact that the iPhone is here and that kind of thing. But I feel like Tim Cook wants to actually have a greater impact on the world in that he wants, you know, not just changing it through shiny aluminium things, but, like, set the bar for other companies to, to follow. Um, like research kit, which we'll talk about in a bit, is like another example of it, and it it's just a feeling that I've had for a while with a lot of the moves that Tim's made, um, and and I just think that it's so incredible to see the change that that he is making, and whether Apple did this stuff or not before, maybe they didn't talk about it. I, I don't. I understand that people say that. I don't know how I feel about that. I think if you do these kinds of things, you you do talk about them. Um, I just think it's I just think it's really cool, and I'm I'm just very very pleased that, that they're doing things like this because no no company has to nobody has to do it, um, and and I just like that they do, and and I think that this is you know this is one of Tim Cook's impo- things that he finds important. I I totally agree. You know they um, I think when Cook first took over, maybe we can dig this up. There was a memo that came out that Apple was increasing what they would do for like matching charity stuff yeah, for yeah. Uh, for employees, and clearly that was just step one. And I, I totally agree with you. I think it's, I think it's super great, and I think it, 
to a degree, like large companies have responsibility um, because they have power and wealth to do good. And I think that, uh, of course, everyone can do more, including Apple. But uh, I like to see that Apple is uh, is making some moves. And, and I think this is a great move. And I think the other stuff that Tim has done over the last couple of years is great. And um, I really think he'll only ramp it up as, as time goes on. I just I just think it's really great. I'm really great. I think it's a fantastic thing to see. But that was all. It was just this this one little feeling that I've had for a while, and I wanted to share it with the world and get ready for people to tell me things. Should we take a quick break? Thank our first sponsor. Yes. I'm really excited about this one, guys. Um, today, one of our sponsors this week, our first sponsor for this episode, is Swift Summit, which is the first major international summit for Swift, and it's happening in London. It's going to be a way, a great way for people to get up to speed with Swift. The event is going to exist. It exists to distill everything down that's happened from June to now for anybody that wants to attend. If you want to get to know Swift, this is for you. Swift Summit is going to be a fantastic chance to meet and talk to top engineers and fellow Swift enthusiasts from all around the globe. Swift Summit is being put on by a small team of people who have been totally immersed in creating and helping grow the Swift community since the week after the last which was launched at WWDC 2014. They've been organizing meetups all over the globe and since the since the launch and Swift Summit is going to be a real meeting of the minds. It's a collaboration between two of the largest Swift community groups, Swift London and the San Francisco Swift community. They're coming together to put on the Swift Summit. It's a single track conference. It's full of days of talks uh, on the Saturday, laying the groundwork and raising the main themes of the weekend. Uh, this features a fantastic lineup of speakers, some of the most involved engineers and developers uh, like Chris uh, Eidhoff of O. o- bjc.io. I never know how to say that. I read it all the time, though. Uh, Brian Jeziak, a software engineer at Facebook, and Daniel Steinberg, who is author of a Swift Kickstart. Uh, there's also a panel discussion on Saturday evening. They have a party at a, a, a place called Bloomsbury Bowling Lanes, which sounds a lot of fun, uh, and a bunch of shorter talks on Sunday. It's located in a historic building in the heart of London, home to the Dickens Library and a long line of public educators. So you kind of think like wood paneling and like a fireplace and a library. It's that kind of feel. It's like super fancy. They have a courtyard garden and a grand hall as well. Um, and it's fully catered. There's breakfast, lunch for everyone. You'll meet Across the weekend, you're going to meet loads of new people. You're going to get loads of new skills, ideas, and all that sort of stuff. If you are interested in Swift, this is the place for you. Get that training budget allocated from your office or just head along on your own. London is a great venue, and it's going to be a real springboard for a lot of people to get involved in Swift. It's happening from the 21st to the 22nd of March in Bloom 3 in central London, and we have a special offer for listeners of this show. You can save 15% on a ticket to Swift Summit by going to... These URL is great, guys. You're going to like this. SwiftSummit.com forward slash Mike was right. Is the, uh, is the URL. Or alternatively, you can go to SwiftSummit.com slash Dante. <laughs> wow i'm very happy for both of you <laughs> thank you so much swift summit like i think this is a really cool thing that's happening and i love that it's in london uh and if you know come on down to london and go to swift summit it's gonna be great awesome all right URLs. topic 0.5.1 starts with a story and then we'll get to the news so um i've, I've very often wake up to text messages from one or the both of you because you're ahead of me. And by the time I'm up and moving, it's, you know, midday, mid morning, midday for you. So this morning I get a text from Federico. He's like, Hey, 
have you heard the new Death Cab single? And I said, well, no, there's a new one. I haven't seen it. And I said, oh, let me go download it from iTunes. I go to iTunes and I can't download it. I hit the buy button and it just spins and stares at me. And so I tell Federico this and he says, oh, well, I've been listening to it on streaming services. So I go to the app store and I can't download any apps. Can't download Spotify or, or audio or, or beats. Um, and it was very sad for me because I wanted to listen to the song and I couldn't because turns out Apple has had a massive uh, DNS issue today where iTunes Connect and uh, both app stores, the iBook store and the iTunes store were and all the down. Directory. Podcast directory. Uh, this is sad for us. <laughs> yes. Feature today. Um, we're all down for a while, and I think they're back up now. As our as we record now, uh, they made a statement to CNBC saying that it was an internal DNS error at Apple. Um, and uh, so yeah, most of the day, Apple's stores and services offline, which is sad. Well, did you listen to the song eventually? I did. I bought it and listened to it on the way home, and it was quite enjoyable. Nice. Nice. Um, well, I, I must just take a quick aside on this. So I opened the, the, the document today, and I've seen Federico and Stephen have were having a conversation in the show notes, which says, Federico to Stephen, hear the new DCFC song? Stephen, no. Can't download it from iTunes. Frowny face, Federico. <laughs> it's on streaming Steven. services. Stephen, <laughs> no, I can't. I can't download any apps. <laughs> no, no, no. The that... conversation was over iMessage. I basically just pasted it in here. We oh. don't talk over the show notes, Mike. <laughs> I thought you <laughs> yeah. were talking through together. That I was yeah. very confused by this. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, and some people in the chat room saying iTunes Connect might still be down. Uh, I don't have an iTunes Connect account to to verify that, but. Uh, definitely not a, a great day for the online, uh, for ADQ's online division at Apple, but, um, you know, what can you do? At least they made a statement about what it was. Well, speaking of old Apple, Mike, I don't think old Apple would have made a statement about what specifically was, uh, what was wrong. <laughs> it's working here. <laughs> um, it's, it's not wrong. It's just, uh, problematic for a limited number of users. There you go. But it's not that. It's not it's not down. It's yeah. Just... Right. So, in between last week's episode and this week's episode, something insane mm-hmm. happened. Federico, mm-hmm. can you please tell us uh, your your story from Thursday? So, I um, on Thursday I um, was invited by Apple to go to the event on Monday. <laughs> And so when you, you hear imagine, those days, it's like <laughs> the, the event being in America, um, I I didn't have a passport. And I, now I don't know if it's different uh, internationally, but in Italy, you uh, you at least need like two to three weeks um, to get a passport for the United States. And so, of course... From Thursday to Monday, I would only have uh, Friday to get a passport, which uh, in my mind right there at the moment seemed impossible. So what I did was a very much an Italian thing. Um, I called uh, my dad, who has a bunch of connections. <laughs> basically, without, without going into the details, um, I had a passport in 24 hours. 
and, and the name said Bob Stevens on it. <laughs> no, no, it's actually my name. And on Friday morning, I went to apply for the passport. I did all the paperwork for uh, Eurogen passport. And on Friday at lunch, I had the passport with me. So on Sunday, I, I left for America. And um, I, 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 <laughs> this is so crazy. I flew from, Lond- from Rome to London, from London to San Francisco. And I spent Monday uh, at the event, then at San Francisco, hanging out with uh, a bunch of friends, including our own Jason Snell. And on, the, on Sunday evening, I, I jumped back on a plane and I flew from San Francisco to London, and basically I left San Francisco at 9 p.m. on Monday, and I was in Rome at 10 p.m. on Tuesday. Sounds fine. <laughs> which was yesterday. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how dead do you feel inside right now? Uh, I think like 12. <laughs> 11 wouldn't be enough. Uh, gotcha. I, I, feel, I feel off. I feel like a... Like, a, like I told Mike and other people, I feel like I don't know where I am. If everything feels strange, like uh, moving from, you know, between two continents in, in two days can do strange things to your mind and to your brain and to your body. And uh, I think my, the best decision that I had during all this craziness that happened so fast uh, was to not sleep on the first... Um, on the trip to San Francisco, because when I got there, I was basically so tired that I slept overnight and I woke up in the morning ready for the day. Because yeah, that's, I slept that's like, the trick. That is the trick. Yeah. I, I, I also because I, I was kind of dumb and I couldn't figure how I couldn't figure out how to adjust my seat on the plane. So I, um, I just stood there for 11 hours and I, I, I didn't move. <laughs> and so I, I was like, okay, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay awake. So when I get there, when I get to the, when I get to the hotel, I'll be ready to sleep, and in the morning, I'll be ready for the day. And that strategy worked. So I was really happy. And it's a good life hack. Yeah, <laughs> I should should start a blog. And uh, so yeah, it's basically in two days to America and back. It's crazy. I've been planning for years to go to America, and now it's just like that. Two days, and it's gone. <laughs> I would I would like to tell a couple of my favorite little tidbits of this whole experience okay. of like getting you there. Like, so I I was very worried for Federico. Um, it was like like a like a mother kind of worried. Yeah, well, I, you're, I, you're very you're a worrier though. We've yes. talked about this, I think. Oh God, yeah, I'm I really am, and and I was. So concerned for him uh, because he'd never been to America on his, on, before. He was going on his own. Uh, uh, you've never been outside of Europe, have you? No, never. No. I mean, Europe's <laughs> big enough. Like, there's lots of places, but but because you have travelled outside of Italy, yeah, many sure. times. Um, yeah. But I, so I was very worried about Federico. So uh, I spent an hour with him on the phone. Uh, talking through things like how to get through security and we were talking about airports <laughs> and all this stuff. I was giving him all the information I could. I stayed awake until 3 a.m. in the morning to make sure he landed. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I was probably awesome. worse than your mother. Uh, I, yeah. I had, well, my mother went to sleep. You didn't. No, I, I couldn't. <laughs> I had... Uh, 
I had all of your flights in my flight tracking app, so it would tell me when you were taking off, when you were landing. Uh, I was I was very concerned. It was very concerned. It was very sweet of you, really. Uh, I, I was texting him on the morning, uh, on Monday morning, to make sure he was awake. Uh, <laughs> and I was just getting ready to call Federico when when he replied to me because I wanted to make sure that he was awake. I was I was giving him directions to places <laughs> like this is I was finding him blue bottle coffee and was telling him how he could get there and I I was just very yeah, very very concerned, very concerned for you Federico. I'm so Mike happy that a, it all went very well for you. Mike was a huge help because I'm a I'm a you know, I come from a small town and I've never been outside of Europe. And I and I I often say this. I can I can get anxious and clumsy when it comes to you know paperwork and police officers. Like I start to be nervous. And and Mike told me everything that there was to know about you know getting into the states and replying to questions and how to address people. And you know also because I'm a, I'm Italian, so I'm I'm used to different interactions with people. Uh, so Mike is a is an expert. When it comes to going to America, as a, from a European perspective, right. um, so it, it was a huge help. Yeah. yeah right. And what did you think of Blue Bottle Coffee, by the way? It was good. It was actually good. I mean, it was an espresso. I had a. I I went with Matthew Panzerino, which uh, you know is awesome, and he he told me to get the drip coffee, which was nice. Uh, not espresso, and not the coffee that you get on the plane. Uh, so. It, you know, it was an in-between. Uh, I still like my coffee short, you know. I, I, I'm i not used to these big cups of coffee. Uh, when I take you there, I'm going to make you drink their cold coffee. It's good. It's very good. Mm. They call it the New Orleans, and it's I mean, sure, I will try everything, whatever, but just you, you can't beat espresso. But what did you think of San Francisco? I mean, I know you didn't mm. get to see a lot of it. I didn't get to see a lot, but I did get to walk by myself a lot to 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 go places, uh, especially when I when I need to to get back to to the plane. Uh, I basically had to walk from the Macworld offices where I went with Jason to record uh, the surprise. Oh yeah, uh, where you uh, gave me a heart attack. On yes, upgrade. so I um, I walked from Macworld to to my hotel. So I walked for I walked for like twenty minutes. Um, it's it was strange uh, because like it was beautiful from um from um from like looking at the you know all the modern buildings and like it makes an impression on you at least on me it, 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 like i'm not used to that type of modern architecture you know downtown the city i'm not used to that um but also it was different i think in an uh unsettling way in that it's all so modern and new whereas i'm used to the idea of of a city center where you have the old stuff like you have the monuments and the Mm -hmm. churches and you know all the narrow streets you know all the corners and the fountains and san francisco at least the part i was in was all like all the streets look the same you know like it's first second third street and it's all like a like a grid it's not like a like a complex um map you know like rome it's all you know different places and squares it's a grid and and it's like 
it feels like a video game, you know? It feels like the map from GTA. And actually, it's kind of like the map from GTA. Well, this, and you know, Federico, obviously, you know, this all comes from the fact that America has no history. This is why it's like that. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, so, yeah, from- <laughs> uh, San Francisco is a special place. You know, it's definitely not like where I'm from either. Um, definitely some things that are that are different. But uh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you had a good time. Next time, maybe you'll have some time to kind of explore a little bit. There's a lot of good stuff to do. Yeah, it was it was really it was really great, even if uh, it was just 25 hours. Um, I think I'm. I mean, I managed to get good pasta with uh, Jason, uh, Rene, Serenity, other cool people. Um, do you remember the name of the place you went to? Zero Zero. Oh, they do great pizza yep. there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I have a good uh, zero zero story from Mike. Was it MacWorld or WWC a couple of years ago, where a bunch of us went out to dinner and had a bunch of drinks, and then uh, drunk Stephen bought dinner for everybody and spent all oh, of his yeah. budget. Yeah. All of his budget. <laughs> you were on, being uh, so nice to everyone because I was super wasted. <laughs> and we um, we had like eight pizzas, dessert, and drink and cocktails. Yeah. I was and like, like, yeah, I'll five twelve's got it. Uh, uh, <laughs> Zero, so anyway, zero, just good, in good spot. just in general, um, like it feels really different from Italy. Yeah, I don't know if it all America is the same. No, but like like when I when I when I go to other countries in Europe, it's different from Italy. But you can tell it's Europe, and I, I I don't know how to explain this, but you maybe it's because you know that it's in Europe. But I think it also feels like Europe. When you go to America, it's really different. And yeah, but it also when you go around in America, it feels like America, like mm-hmm. at least to a non-American. Every, everywhere that I've been, it's like it's different. Like it's all different, but it's all a little bit the same. Like like it uh, n- like Europe is. Yeah. Anyways, um, so should we talk about the event. Glad, we're glad you're alive. Yeah, let's talk about the event. And thank you. Uh, um. My thought is, I mean, we're now a couple of days out, so people kind of know what happened, but can I talk about the points that jumped out at us? Um, if that makes sense for everybody, but maybe we should, uh, maybe we should start at the beginning. Maybe we should it's start the... with a break. Oh, uh, that's even better. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Hover. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. When you have an idea for a project, naming it can be a real pain. Once you finally get that name, you want to be able to quickly and easily get the domain you need. I remember when me and Stephen were trying to come up with names for Relay FM, and we were arguing for about 72 hours. Uh, the One of the ways, one of the clear things that we would do is we would go to hover.com and we would search for see what's available, because if we couldn't get the domains we wanted, then there was no point in continuing with the idea. Um, and it was a great tool for us. It was actually a great tool for me when I was actually trying to come up with a name. I was just like typing in words and seeing what would come up. So it was very useful for me um, and for us when it came to naming our first project. Um, once you finally get that domain that you want, one of the, what you want to be able to do is just go straight to checkout and buy it. You don't want to have to jump through hoops and like learn secret handshakes to try and complete your purchase. And that's what Hover is fantastic at. They have a very simple, fast, and hassle-free method when it comes to buying their domains. Once you find what's available, they have all the TLDs you want, .com, .co, .me. They have all the crazy ones as well that you'll find. You just basically put it in the cart and check out. You don't have to 
uncheck a bunch of checkboxes. You don't have to remove stuff from your cart that might find its way sneakily in there. The Hover pride themselves on making this really easy. They have great prices on their domains. Their .com domains start at $12.99, for example, and every domain at Hover includes who is privacy for free as well, which is super important. Hover have a no-hold, no-wait, no-transfer telephone support policy. When you call Hover, you'll be talking to a human being. You're not going to be passed around from person to person to person either. They also have their valet service, where Hover can take all of the hassle out of switching from one provider to them because they just do it all for you. And this is free whether you have 10 domains or 200. I love Hover.com. I think that you will too. If you haven't already, you should go and try them out with your next domain purchase. You want to use the code TIMEZONES, all one word, at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase at Hover.com and show your support for this show and all of Relay FM. That's code TIMEZONES. Thank you so much to Hover for supporting this week's show. So I think I speak for a lot of people in that I did not expect the event to start with the Apple TV, of all things. Uh, yeah. In fact, Mike, you and I were kind of chatting during the event, and we were like, what's happening? Because <laughs> yeah, we were questioning whether there would be anything other than the watch, right? That was a question. And then they start with probably the least important product. Like, maybe if they brought the iPod out, you know, that might have also been a surprise. Yeah, it had been been nice. Guys, we're just kidding about the iPod Classic. It's back, it back and better than ever. It's back and, and still a, And there's a clicky. picture of Steven on, on, the, on the slide. It's the iPod, iPod hack it. That's right. <laughs> um, so I guess the, the news is what? 69 bucks, uh, which is pretty nice. Uh, I think they're realizing they've got to compete with things like the Chromecast and like the, the Amazon Fire TV Stick, which is like $4. Um, got to deal with HBO for HBO Now, which is interesting. It's, it's 15 bucks a month. So like... I don't want to. My, my like fundamental problem with core cutting is that to really save money, you have to steal. That if you pay for Netflix and Hulu and HBO Go or HBO Now and all these little things, like you end up paying, um, you know, what you did to Comcast for your TV, especially if you're buying stuff on iTunes and, um, you know, so HBO Now I think is a little more expensive than I was hoping, but not more expensive than I was expecting really. Um, and it's uh. It's an exclusive for the Apple TV for what ninety days? Is that, is that right? I think yeah. it costs. I think it's uh, three months. Yeah. Yeah, ninety days and cost. It also costs them a lot of uh, stage time. And yeah, I Tim mean, the, Cook yeah. promo time. We all love these TV shows, right? Let me tell you, yeah. about the TV shows I love. Super weird. Oh, like, it's, terrible. Uh, it's like, oh, there's a teaser for Game of Thrones. Like, uh, I'm, very. I'm not sure ninety days of exclusivity was worth everything they had to hand over. At least they didn't make them drive robot cars around the stage, which is still my all-time favorite awkward Apple keynote moment. I think I did say that to you, right? That it was this year's Anki Drive. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, those guys. I hope they're doing okay. Yeah, man, they, they've they've got jumps on their tracks now. Sweet. Um. <laughs> so yeah, so the Apple TV, sixty-nine bucks, still kind of what it's always been. Um. I, for one, would like a Apple TV that ran better. Like, I, I've got one, and we like it, but it's, you know, it's kind of sluggish at times. Might as well connect, even though it's, like, hooked into my wired Ethernet network. Um, just a little strange sometimes. It doesn't quite work the, as well as it should, but um, I don't know. Yeah, this is... The Apple TV is a product that I've never really wanted. Is Is that why is that because you because you have a computer hooked up to your television right 
Yeah, but I, I, I don't ever really watch stuff on there. I did watch the Apple event on there, but that's like the only yeah. time I've ever done that. I, I just watch things on my laptop. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So you're not a big TV person anyway? No, no. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why you don't need an Apple TV. That's a good point. Or you don't want an Apple TV. And it's, it's like, you know, a... every, every, like, I feel like every device that I own uh, gets Netflix. Like, just everything. Yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> like, my toaster gets Netflix. The oven gets Netflix. Like everything gets Netflix. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like, a, you know, this device has a screen. <laughs> of course it does. It's got Netflix, Yay. too. <laughs> yeah, it's just obvious. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting, uh, the, uh, the new pricing. Uh, uh, because I was talking to Jason the other day about, you know, the, uh, I think we were on Upgrade Mike also. Um it, I, I guess they just want to sell them in the meantime because they have to be working on something new. And I guess in the meantime, they'll just be whatever, just sell them for $69. Yeah, I mean, I would. you have to imagine that at some point they have an update to that that little hockey puck. You know, it's running an A5, it's sort of janky. Um, I don't know. It feels like there's there's got to be something at some point. Anyways, um, should we talk about the MacBook? Oh, I guess, that, yeah, I guess this, that was next. This computer, man. Okay. What do, what do we want to say about this? Uh, what do you, you guys think of uh, of the fact that, that they went with no physical ports other than USB-C? And... Uh, My feeling on this remains. <laughs> like, okay. okay. I, I think the problem with this device and doing this is that for it to be truly useful you end up having to have something else right like i couldn't use this computer as my computer because there are going to be times where i'm going to need to do x y or z with it right so i'm going to need to maybe plug in a usb whilst i'm also charging which means i'm going to have to have a dongle or a like a other thing and then at the point that i need to then bring other things along with me if i'm going on a trip it kind of doesn't make it that great that it's that much thinner i don't know i I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I think one port is so difficult, and and Apple really didn't. They didn't give enough of a solution for if you need more than one. It's like just buy a seventy nine dollar dongle that has two other ports on it that you can use. All right, great. Like a, one USB port and either a HDMI or a DVI, but then you have to use the other USB C to charge it. Like it doesn't. There's not enough on even that, like, f- that it makes sense to me. Like, you'd need a couple of USBs, at least. Like, just, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like sometimes I have enough problem with connectivity of my MacBook Pro. Yeah, but I think the MacBook's not for you. Oh, no, I know um. that. Like, but this, I think that this, I'm just saying, like, for me personally, that's how I feel about it. Like, I, yeah. I think I said this like when we first were speaking about it and I still feel the, the this way that this is not the MacBook for now this is the computer this is Apple's vision of computers for the next 5 years in the same way that the MacBook Air was it's like the MacBook Air was so underpowered like this 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 MacBook isn't so underpowered but it is underpowered it's constrained and we can talk about that in a bit but it has some things on it that you're going to see across their entire lines over the next few years like 
this new USB connector, the the force touch trackpad, which is already on the MacBook Pros now, this new keyboard, like obviously this new screen technology that they're using, this new battery technology, like you're gonna, that's this is like we're building this now to show what the future is gonna be like. But they put it in this product that I think is only useful to a subset of people. Right, and I mean the obvious parallel and again we talked we spoke about this a while back is that 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 original macbook air which was underpowered and had limited io and um you know it's sort of weird in some ways and and the macbook just seems like the next step in that in that direction mm-hmm. um and you know yes I, I totally agree with you on the single USB-C port like everyone who buys one is going to have an $80 dongle. So they get USB and video and power, uh, you know, in and out. And, um, I do think it's an eye cut, you know, built with an eye cut toward the future, but like in five years, I'm still going to need to charge my iPhone while I'm at my desk. You know, like <laughs> to me, the power is the biggest thing. Not so much the, the, the data IO. Like I, I could, I could live without, you know, some things I would be sad, this, but again, this machine is not for me, but like, People are going to need to charge their computer and their phone at the same time because that's the way the world works. And and that's really where it falls down for me, just in that really lowest common denominator use case. Uh, this machine doesn't doesn't solve those problems. And I think that's... I think if you're looking at this machine, you've really got to think about that sort of thing. Like, you know, I'm in the airport, right? Uh, I need to charge my computer and I need to charge my phone and there's only one uh, wall outlet. Like, what do I do? And, and I'm, I'm, I assume I'd be right in thinking that there isn't a lightning to USB-C cable. Not that I have seen yet. I mean, they're they're breakout. So they have these dongles, which uh, look sort of like ATP's rumored hub a little bit. Um, so that, like this one I'm looking at has USB-C. So that'd be for power in, HDMI out, and then regular USB out. Um, so you could, you know, you could charge your device and charge your phone back through this dongle, but the thing's 80 bucks and I'm not sure everyone is going to buy that right off the bat. Um, I think maybe it was something that they should have included in the box. I I don't know. Um, You know, that's not the way Apple rolls anymore, but it it just seems really limiting in like really frustrating ways uh, in day-to-day life. It is strange as a, as a choice to, you know, to just go without, physical ports, especially because how you said, Stephen, what if I have an iPhone and I need to charge my phone and I only have one available? Yeah, Uh, you you better hope you bought that $80 dongle at the Apple store. Yeah, (laughs) so maybe it should have been included. But also, on the other hand, like when we talk about, you know, this is how it's going to be in the next five years, I don't think the next, you know, the next few years are going to happen if you don't start making a point now. You know, sure. Because, oh, I agree with that. But in, because, in Gen One, put the put the adapter in the box. Yeah, but th- I think these sort of things need a big break at one point. Like you need to draw a line and say, okay, this is how it's gonna be. So you know, people can get used to it. In the meantime, you have other options available, like the MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air. But this is how it's gonna be uh, because we don't know if in the next few years we'll still need like physical charging for an iPhone with a yeah. cable. That's the point. So maybe in five years there'll be wireless charging, and then you know USB-C only one plug in the only one port in the in the MacBook in the MacBook just MacBook uh, will make sense. 
I, I mean, I guess we don't know uh, because I, I kind of see the point from both sides. Like, it's super inconvenient, and I need to buy this extra accessory, which is also eighty bucks. But also, if you don't make a precise statement, change is always gonna be delayed. You yeah, know? I mean, I get from a marketing perspective. If you include the adapter in the box, it's like, why cut the ports out? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, we're going to cut them out, but we're also going to give you this thing because we believe you need them. Like, you know, I get that from a, that is a mixed marketing message. But then, you know, maybe the adapter should be cheaper. But I have to say, it's stunning. Like, oh, it looks great. It's <laughs> so beautiful. And I love that keyboard. And I love the use of San Francisco on the keyboard. I think that looks incredible. I, I love the, uh, it just looks. Yeah. Man, it just looks so good. Federico, can you, because you've used it, right? Can you yeah. tell us what it's like? Like, what does it feel like? What's the weight like? What is that trackpad like? It's incredibly light. Like, I needed to, and I'm, I, I own a MacBook Air, so I'm used to a, a lightness in a Mac. But it, it, it's like, it's super light, and it, you have this huge keyboard in front of you, the space gray looks fantastic, I think, but the best part for me was the trackpad and uh, the first touch, uh, because uh, we were talking with Jason, uh, Mike. Um, like this, this is there is this illusion, right? When you, when you, when you try to apply pressure on the trackpad, and you, you, you think you're actually going down into the trackpad because you feel physically that you're depressing, that you're applying pressure and you're going like into the trackpad, you're going down, you're, you feel like you're moving an object down and you feel in your finger this feedback from the trackpad and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm applying pressure, I feel it in my, in, my, in my hand and I'm also seeing the results on the screen. But actually how it works is that there's this taptic engine that basically moves sideways and it gives you but it makes it feel like you're going down vertically into the trackpad. And when I tried the trackpad, it felt like when I was applying different levels of pressure, it felt like I was moving my finger towards a little series of steps. Like I could feel little, it's not necessarily like clicks, but yeah, like a series of steps that I was moving into. But actually, you're not moving into vertically down into anything. It's just feedback from this engine. So it doesn't physically move, like, no. at all. It just <laughs> it's, bounces it's back so, at you. It, it's so weird. Yeah. It's The Taptic engine makes it bounce sideways, and it feels like it's moving vertically down into, like there's pressure moving into the trackpad. I need to try this, because I feel like I, I, it's I so understand freaky. the words you're saying, but yes. I, cannot, I cannot think what that yes, feels like. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way. Um, it is freaky. Seems... It is freaky and weird, but it <laughs> it, it, it really works, <laughs> and it's 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 awesome. I mean, I, I had to play for a couple of minutes. I tried with a uh, with a bunch of apps. I tried with the Finder, with Mail, basically every smart uh, smart data detector uh, from OS ten, like addresses, uh, HTTP links, calendar events, dates, that sort of stuff can be force touched. And like it, it worked really well, and I 
And I think it, it has potential for like changing how we think of the contextual menus and bringing up different options. You know, it's a new gesture, so you can really you can really think about the potential for apps and developers to plug into this uh, the APIs for for Force Touch. But yeah, to describe it, it's really freaky and weird, but it but it works and it, it's uh, it's really well done. Honestly, it's really well done. Yeah, and I think so. Go ahead. No, 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 I, I would just wanted to say, uh, I can't wait for something like this to be available on a, on on an iOS, on a, on an mm-hmm. iPhone or on an iPad. That's next, right? Like seven, maybe might be the I iPhone seven. Probably, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, and there's a lot of interesting things there with the iPad and drawing and stuff. Um, I, I had a, just a comment and then a question. Um, first one is, and I. I wrote this up on 512, but I find it really interesting that when you go to buy one of these things, it's basically like buying an iPad. You pick the color, which, um, by the way, the space gray, at least in the photos, looks really awesome. Um, I don't know if, it, if in real life it looks as good as it does in photos, but the space yeah, gray looks, looks like great. My, it would be my jams. Yeah. Um, but it's like an iPad. So you pick the color and then you pick the capacity. So on this thing, there's two processor speeds and two uh ssd sizes and those are tied together so you pick kind of a better or best and that's it like compare that to where you go to buy a macbook air and there's you know four different SKUs. if you buy a macbook pro there's you know four or five different SKUs, and you can be real fiddly and say i want this much ram and i want this ssd but not that and that's all gone with this machine it's very much a more of a device than like computer sort of in some ways do you think, which i think it's really interesting do you think it's so locked down because of how because of the insanity of the logic board i think that my i think it probably has a lot to do with it so they don't have a lot of different uh parts running around so like both models have eight gigs of ram um and, and by the way like that that logic board thing i remember when the 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 first mac air came out i was at apple and uh we opened one um we had a guy buy one on day one and it was dead out of the box. And so we took it apart before we, we sent it back. We weren't supposed to, but we did. And I remember being so blown away by the logic board in the original MacBook Air. It's like a whole Mac on this tiny little board. And the one in this MacBook, this new MacBook is just uh It's it's crazy. a third of the size, right? Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine how they did that. Obviously they don't have the cooling stuff with the Intel Core M that can run fanless. But um Is that gonna really be really impressive hot, though? Like I will imagine. I can imagine this machine will get warm, but there, uh, this this platform is shipping in a bunch of ultrabooks that run fanless, and you know I, th- I haven't gone to dig up any of those reviews or anything, but I don't think it's like, you know, burning hot. But I would imagine that it'll be warm. That MacBook Air, that original MacBook Air, man, that could actually burn you. Yeah, my brother had one, and he burnt his thigh once. That's fine. Wow, it's fine. Um. So my my question is, Federico, your MacBook Air is not in great shape. Uh, mm-hmm. Is this a machine that you would consider replacing your MacBook Air with? Probably. I mean, it's the most basic Mac I can portable Mac I can get, and it's got a Retina screen, so it would be better for my eyes. And I would just need to get an adapter for you know when we record the podcast, uh, because I need to charge and use you know USB for the microphone at the same time. But yeah, I guess when I when I'm about to when I'll be about to 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 upgrade my my MacBook, finally, I mean it, it's got a broken keyboard, and eventually you gotta assume that you know uh, the next few versions of OS X won't run 
nicely on this machine. I think that's the, the because I mean, if it doesn't, if things on iOS don't change, if I'll still be unable to do podcasts properly on an iPad, and now please don't send me the ideas for microphones <laughs> on iOS, because we <laughs> looked at all the options, that's not going to work. Um, if things don't change on iOS, I'll have to upgrade my MacBook, and yes, I think I'll, I'll get the new the new MacBook. It's not I as mean, expensive it, as I thought it would have been either. Yeah, it's not expensive. You're going to get it, it in great. gold. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to get Space Gray. looks really Yes. Um, um, you said that the price is interesting too. It's what, 1200 bucks for the base yeah. model? Yeah, 1299 So the, the MacBook Air, um, the 11 inches, 899 and $1,100. And then the 13 inches, 999 and $1,200. So you can get a high-end 13-inch Air for the same cost as the low-end MacBook. And they're, uh, the MacBook is actually a little bit it's sort of a mixed bag. So the, the MacBook Air is faster, but the MacBook has more RAM at that price point. Um, there's been a lot of people complaining about sort of, you know, the Apple sort of mixing the lineup of, you know, the MacBook Air and the MacBook are really similar now. The MacBook Air has the Air name, but the MacBook is thinner and lighter. Yeah, the name is I, is 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 weird. I don't, I think it's a short-term problem. Uh, and I think of that, course. A, like, I wouldn't st- st- let this keep you up at night. Um I think what they've done is the MacBook Air is now the the introductory, you know, hey, you want a Mac, you want the cheapest Mac you can get, that's a notebook. Hey, you know, buy this this MacBook Air for $1,000. I think the value for money, the MacBook Air is crazy. Like, um, I just bought a refurbished one, uh, or picked out a refurbished one, I should say, for my brother, and you know, he got a heck of a lot of machine for 1100 bucks. I mean, it's really crazy. The MacBook is sitting above that, in price, but below that in, in, um, sort of functionality and, and power. But I think that's okay. I think the MacBook will, will slowly eat into the MacBook air line. Uh, I think I can't imagine the 11 inch air will stay around. I think as soon as Apple can do a 13 inch air at that eight nine nine price point, uh, I think the 11 inch air is in trouble because, you know, especially comparing the 11 inch compared to the 12 inch MacBook is a ridiculous machine. I mean, the, the 11 inch air, we we've got one at the house and it's not great. Like it's slow. It's really chunky looking. The screen is not very good. And the, in all those metrics, the MacBook is a, is a lot better. So I, I, I think that these lines will sort of shimmy around over the next, you know, yeah. year or two years. And I think we'll end up in a place where I think the MacBook air will probably still exist, but on the low end and uh, you know, this, uh, this MacBook will be in the middle. I, I do think the MacBook Air will get get thinner again at some point. I think the name at this point isn't tied so much to weight and thickness. And I think if if you're freaking out about that, you should so go some, for a walk. Someone wrote in a, a listener called Max. This is, they, they sent this in for to upgrade earlier, but I thought it was interesting because we're talking about it now. And he said it's interesting that like this naming convention kind of matches the watch now because like the cheapest one is like the sport which is kind of like the air and then yeah. the titular MacBook product <laughs> is the middle one which is the macbook right is that's the like mm-hmm. but it's the middle of the road one and then you have like the pro and the edition at the top end i just thought it was quite interesting it does kind of mirror that i i, I don't think that that was intentional but it is interesting that it does that yeah and and like i said i think i mean if, if apple had seen this machine coming you know uh, in 2011, when they redid the Air, maybe that would have become the MacBook, and they would reserve the name for this. But yeah, you know, these things happen, right? 
these product names don't really mean anything, and they could they could have just flipped the flip flop the names, right? They've they actually it the new MacBook Air, <laughs> right? Or they could have given this the Air name and and rebadged the the old ones. I mean, they've done all sorts of weird things in the past, but uh, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But I fully expect the MacBook Air line to not exist as it does today. In the new MacBook years. Air, the new MacBook Air with Retina display. Yeah, it could have. I mean, that was the rumor, right? People were thinking it'd be MacBook Air so, with Ryan. Exactly. Display. I wanted to ask you: Can you imagine our reactions hadn't this Mac leaked anywhere before? We would oh. be like people would yeah. have been would have gone crazy yeah. on Monday, and instead, just a couple of months ago, we knew exactly how the, because uh, the leak from Nine to Five Mac was basically perfect. I think. Like yeah, he was except for dead on. except for the uh, power button being on the wrong side of the keyboard. Thank oh, God. Yeah, what? Well, <laughs> big deal. No, uh, I mean, I'm was, really glad he was wrong he, about. I that. mean, yeah, even the colors. Uh, I yeah. think they. they I feel they, like yeah, it was crazy. I, I feel like they said smaller keycaps though, not larger. Uh, I think, but I think the I don't know. I mean, he got it. The, the it's uh, much and much is perfect. Like yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, right. Like he, you know, they. When they said there's a new MacBook, I was like, oh, well, this is Gurman's computer. So yeah. uh, that takes the magic out of it. We've talked about that before. You should call it the Gurmac. I think that would make everyone at Apple die inside. <laughs> oh, no. Th- we can call it that. They don't have to call it that. No, yeah, that's, so, uh, we're not crazy giving names to stuff. <laughs> yeah. Gurmac the, Pro. Go- I, I bet no. you guys cash money that he calls it the gold book at some point on ATP tonight. Like, uh, we just yeah. have a little, have a little, uh, don't, no one in the chat room tip him off because I would like, Someone to pay me money for that. Um, the is gonna, gonna call it the the the, uh, the gold Mac Retina. The, uh, the gold Mac. Ret- yeah, the gold Mac Retina. Retina gold Mac. Uh, that's terrible. We, we love you, Casey. But um, so so Federico, this machine. I thought of you. Uh, you know your iOS primarily. You just need a Mac sometimes. I think the other use case for this, um, or sort of the general use case for this, is you know it's. Um, someone who, you know, I think the MacBook Air is going to be, you know, what students pick up, what a lot of, like, like our entire small business at my day job runs with MacBook Airs, like almost everyone has one. Um, I think this machine is going to be really popular for people who travel. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is the traveler's I mean, computer. Like, if I if I didn't if I used the Mac Pro as like the machine that I do most of my work on, I would buy one of these for travel. Yeah, and I, I even had the thought today, I was talking with a, with a friend, and uh, he's looking to buy a new iMac, and so we were kind of talking about the pros and cons of the Retina iMac, and, and I even said, you know, like, if I had a desktop set up, you know, I would own a Retina iMac, and I would probably own one of these as just, like, my take-it-to-the-coffee-shop-and-write machine. Um, you know, right now, I've got a MacBook Pro, and I kind of use it as a desktop most of the time. So, like, I, I can see this also for people in two machine setups, maybe someone like Snell, who you know, has a Retina iMac who, you know, also needs a notebook sometimes. I think it would be hard for at least any of the three uh, of us. Um, I think even Federico, you might run into some of these limitations, but I definitely couldn't live on this machine as my only computer. As much as I desire it, um, I know that it would be endlessly frustrating because, you know, I've got displays and uh, external drives and a, a Thunderbolt dock and, you know, like all this crazy stuff hooked up that just this machine just can't do, so... Anyways, <sighs> should we take a break and then talk about the watch? Let's yes. do it. 
This week's episode is also brought to you by SaneBox. Here is a problem that everybody has. We have too much email. On a daily basis, at least my inbox, I'm sure yours is the same, is totally overflowing. I never feel like I have time to deal with it all. And like I'm just always playing catch up. I'm sure Federica feels that way right now, considering he's been all over the world in the last few days. But fortunately, there is a company out there that can solve this problem for you, and they are called SaneBox, and they are amazing. SaneBox was designed to give you control of your inbox again and save you time on your email. After a quick analysis of your inbox, SaneBox is able to determine what emails are important with incredible accuracy, and it can help you filter out unimportant emails out of your inbox and into a new email folder called SaneLater, where you can go and actually look at that whenever you want to. It's not always there, and it means that you only see the emails in your inbox that actually matter. Also, you'll get a daily digest of your sane later emails, so you can very quickly scan and see if there's anything that there is anything that you want to pick out of there. Um, and just so you know, it's all there when you want to get to it. Um, tons of people use SaneBox. They have uh, employees at Fortune Five, uh, sorry, employees at Fortune Five Hundred companies use it. They have salespeople, accountants, managers, CEOs, entrepreneurs, anybody, anybody can get use of SaneBox. Anybody that gets a bunch of email, it works wherever you check your mail with services like Gmail, Exchange, uh, Yahoo Mail, iCloud Mail, and so many more. It's totally cloud-based. There's nothing you need to download, download, install, or sync between your devices, and it's totally mobile-friendly. Samebox has a bunch of other awesome features like one-click unsubscribe to emails you don't want to see anymore, follow-up reminder emails, snoozing. You can uh, also get rid of your non-urgent emails that way. Just say, go away for a couple of days, come back to me at some point. Uh, you can move attachments to the cloud and so much more. If you're ready to clean up your inbox and spend less time on email, go get a risk-free, no credit card required trial over at sanebox.com connected. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot connected. If you decide to buy a subscription to SaneBox, they will throw in up to two months free for you. Thank you so much to SaneBox for helping us out with this week's show. So, the watch. They uh, they talked about it. They showed it off. I, I complained on Twitter that Apple didn't tell the story of the watch, and I think I'd missed that in the live blog. And maybe, Frederick, you can speak to how it was Um actually watching the event itself, but and watching the keynote the other night, I think they did tell the story better. They said, you know, yeah. it's kind of got three yep. pillars, right? They have timekeeping, they have communication. Um, no, that was, and, that was in the original one, I, but, but the, it was, but the it was story. In, the story was what Kevin Lynch did. That, that is the key part. Yeah. And I've gone back and watched that. Like, because what he did was exactly what I was looking for. Um, was he showed you a day in the life of what it's like to use this device and the small parts where, it can can work for you. I remember I remember a long time ago where me and Federico uh, came to a knife fight over the Android Wear <laughs> video and we talk about the airport. That spoke to me, whether it did to anybody else, because I looked at it and could see the daily interactions that you have where you can use something like this to connect you to your information. And I think that that they did a, that he did it. And I think Kevin Lynch is a great presenter, by the way. He's I, better. I, he's he's a lot better. better than he yeah. was. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's he's very entertaining, and he's he seems very like familiar with the product. It, like it was very obviously he would be, but it just like it really came across. Like you know, he was like, yeah, this is how you do all this stuff, and, and he yeah. was funny as well. Like as much as he needed to be, uh, it was it was all good. I, I really enjoyed his presentation, but I loved all of those little moments, like showing the hotel room stuff and the garage door opening, and showing the the you know being able to scan into 
uh, American Airlines on your by using the QR code and and all that stuff. That to me really uh, got me excited. It, it definitely definitely did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mean to discount his his appearance, but you know, they they broke it up into timekeeping, communication, and fitness, and I think that's like if you think about it, this device revolves around those three things. It's not as strong as the iPod, phone, internet communicator uh, of two thousand seven, but clearly they're trying to to kindle that sort of you know these are three categories that this thing falls into. Uh, and I think his demos played into that really well. A good mix of um, of those things. And, and I think they, they did a better job than than uh, I had I had realized uh, in that. I do think they answered the question pretty well of, you know, like you said, Mike, what does this thing look like in everyday life? Um, and, you know, we've all seen these these comments. We've gotten some emails about it of, you know, uh, well, you could do everything in his presentation with your phone, and and yes, you you can, um, but the point is that you can do it uh, more discreetly, more more easily, um, and sort of in a new way on, on the watch, which is really the whole the whole point of this thing is to to make these things uh, quicker and and easier to deal with, so you're not dealing with them, but you're out in the world, you know, doing things, which is good. I hear. I think the. The fact that they're showing like three, uh, what they consider the three basic features or use cases for the watch, um, I think that makes sense when you want to say, okay, we made it, we made this device for these basic features. But also, what Apple is saying is, I think these are the basics, but everything else will be made possible by software, by apps. So it's it's not like they're saying, look, we made this thing with three features and that's it. And also they're not saying we don't know what the... Because I saw a lot of people saying Apple is not telling us what the watch is for. And that's not possible. And that also misses the point. Because I think, if anything, it shows that Apple has, has learned from the history of the App Store. Um, in seven years of almost of the App Store, we possibly couldn't have imagined what the iPhone would turn out to be. Because it can be so many things, right? And it's not like today. They At the beginning of the show, they had this big slide uh, where I think Tim Cook said, um, the iPhone is now so many things. And there was a slide with a, a bunch of photos of an iPhone running so many different apps. So it can be a fitness tracker, it can be email calendar, uh, FaceTime, phone, it can be it's basically, it's a, it's a computer, right? But it's a different type of computer. And I think the same will happen with the watch. So they're saying, internally, we made it for three use cases in mind. But also, we made it for others to make apps for. So what it will turn out to be, we don't know. And where some people see a negative in that, I see the exact opposite. I see insane potential because now that you're free from the, you know, from the, from the constraint of saying, I have to find a single use case, you can be whatever you want. And the point is what we should be arguing about is, do we believe that a wearable device that is in constant connection with our skin, do we think that's the right way to go for technology? That's the, the question, I think, not, is Apple telling us the story of the watch? The question is, is this the future to make the technology personal and useful in this way? 
If it is, I think there's no need to tell a single story because there, there won't be a single story. Just like there's no single story with the iPhone because every time you ask somebody, hey, what you use your iPhone for? Everyone has a different answer. And I think the same will, will, will happen with the watch. I've been thinking a lot of it about this because I saw so many people saying Apple is not telling us the use for, for the watch. There's no single use for the watch. The basic, the basic question is, is this the right idea to have a wearable device? Just like it was with the iPhone. Is this the right idea to have a big screen and you use touch? And that, like we, I think most of the tech press isn't seeing this basic point. Um, I've, been, I've been thinking about it a lot. I get that. I, I get that. I, I do too, but I think, I think the time is a factor, but in a way that, that not in the way that, that you described, but... We all now have different stories of what we do on our phones because we have the, had the app store for seven years. But if you go back to when they originally showed off the phone, it was very much about those core functionalities because that's all, it's, all it had. Now, what's different is that the watch is standing on the shoulders of the smartphone. It's got apps. It's got these things. It's starting further down the road than the phone did. And I think that's where that disconnect comes in. Um, you know, a smartphone did browsing, email, uh, some photo stuff. But that was really about it. Where this thing, I think because the answers are more varied, people get more nervous about the question. I'm not saying that's fair, but I think it's, when I think about it, that's kind of the difference is that, you know, this thing is is coming into a market that we already understand to a degree, um, where the smartphone was uh, sort of a different era of, 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 you know, these personal computing devices. So, uh, I think it will do well. I mean, I agree with you. I think the potential of this thing is 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 crazy, but uh, I I don't know if if the 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 setting in which it has come into the world is the same as a smartphone. So why don't we? Um, I mean, the software and stuff's interesting. Some stuff has changed. Some stuff has stayed the same. But one of the key pieces of information that we have uh, now that we were we've been questioning. Uh, was the bands and, and, and the pricing. So we have that information now, and it's not what we expected. So uh, it effectively, I mean, I, I think the prices are, I think in general, maybe cheaper than most people expected, not by a lot, but like it, it fell under it fell under a lot of, uh, of, of guesses and or around the kind of level that we thought it was going to be at. Um, but I think more interestingly, uh, it seems that there is going to be like the, you, you'll be able to buy a selection, not all, but a selection of bands um, for any and all device. So, like for example, I could buy a sport and a Milanese loop if I wanted to. I like how you say that. I've I've been practicing. That's good. Yeah, and and you're you're right. I mean, we've got the link uh, to the show notes. Apple has all this up on their store. Um, for instance, I really like the look of the black stainless steel watch with the black link bracelet, but you can't, you, the link bracelet you can buy is only the silver one if you go, you know, just to buying the, the band itself. So it's definitely still not as free flowing as some people thought, but it's definitely more flexible than rumors uh, late in the game would have, uh, would have said. So now we know the prices. Uh, now we have a bit more information. Where do we stand? So, I mean, Federico, I'm going to leave you to last because you're the most informed of the three of us. Okay. Because you've actually seen them. Uh, but Stephen, what are you, what are you thinking now? What are you going to? What on on April 10th? 
what is going to be your order? Uh, it will be the black uh, Apple Watch Sport, uh, probably in 42 millimeter. I do, like I said, I do really like the uh, black stainless steel with the black link bracelet, but it's like a thousand dollars, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend that. Um, so I'm gonna go with the uh, the black sport. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy the sport with the blue band. Um, but I'm also going to buy a black band, like the the sports band, which is what I'll probably wear most of the time. Or uh, and then maybe later, I want to try these out first and get maybe get one later, like maybe get the le- the cl- the classic leather buckle. Yeah, I think that looks really nice. Um, I'm going to go 42 millimeter, uh, and the reason I'm going to do this is because it turns out uh, the Apple Watch 42 is exactly the same size there or thereabouts as my Pebble Steel. Nice. Like my, I I looked at the, like so the steel is forty six by thirty four, um with and it's ten point five millimeters thick and the Apple Watch is uh thirty five point nine, uh by forty two like forty two high and thirty five point nine wide so it's it they're effectively the same which is really interesting because it looks much bigger. Yeah, my my only problem with the mixing and matching, because I do want to go with the black um sports the the black case is that a lot of these other bands have the lighter metal on the sides um like if i were to go with the like the the loop or something um i worry about how that seam is going to look like if the matching on the side so i I don't know uh i mean i'm gonna buy the black one i might pick up the white band down the road just to have something a little bit different Seems to be less of a big deal on the sports bands, but uh, well, I think, I on think the some bands you can actually choose to have the the right color, the black or the silver. Um, or at least at least in one color, at least you can do that. I saw. Yeah, so it'll be uh, in the black one. You can it looks like, but yeah. uh, it it'll be interesting to see. I think it'll be uh, fun to mix and match a little bit. Um, so now, what what about you, Federico? And what was it like? Uh, what was it like using one? I was expecting the watch to be much uh, bigger. It was a, uh, it was smaller than I was expecting, and if it really, it felt great. I think I tried the Milanese loop, and it was super smooth and soft. Like you, it, it feels like fabric. It doesn't feel like it's actually made of metal. And um, I tried the. So originally, I was uh, I was offered a thirty-eight model, and I asked for. And it was really tiny for my wrist. So I asked for, yeah, so I asked for um, a 42 one and it felt just right. And it didn't feel too big at all. And I think like the first, the first minute I was a bit like confused because I was, I was expecting some sort of a iOS kind of structure of the operating system. And it's different, like, the way that stuff is is arranged um, from a pure architectural perspective in the software, like what is up, what is down, what is sideways, it's different. So it takes a minute to get used to. And also, I think just a couple of minutes at a demo area don't make for the best way to get used to that. But the, the device itself, uh, well, depending, of course, on the bands and the model that you try, I think it feels great. Um, I t- So I tried the... This, uh, the Apple Watch, the, 
the Apple Watch, the steel one uh, with the Milanese loop. And uh, but what I want to get my, for myself is uh, the um, steel space gray with two bands. Uh, I want to get one uh, rubber band for when I exercise and the link bracelet for when I go out and I try to be fancy. And you party. Um, when I party, yeah, <laughs> when, I, when I go places. Um, I've been kind of turned off the steel because a lot of the pictures that I've seen, oh, it the looks space so gray. shiny. This, there's a picture from someone that I follow on Twitter that really gives you the idea of the space gray. Uh, because when you see it up close, I think it looks great. Okay. Uh, so now I'm trying to find this picture. I will send you the link when I find it. Okay. Um, so I think, like, I'm sure that part of my problem is that my, my, I mean, we talked about this before, my hands are big. So when I tried to tap on the screen, I felt a little like, okay, I need to be careful here. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so navigating the home screen can be can be a little different than, uh, of course, than, than, you know, than a phone. And also trying to understand that you need to go back to the watch face to look at the glances, that can take a while. Because if you think of glances as widgets, like I, like I, like I was, you, you assume that uh, you can activate glances from anywhere. Because on iOS, right. you can activate widgets from anywhere, or you can activate control center from anywhere. But instead, glances are only like at the bottom of the watch face. So now I don't know if it's a good idea to split up, you know, uh, the software components in this way. But it's, it's only at the only... bottom of the, like when you say the watch face, you mean like when you're looking at the clock, the not like face. the whole yeah, time. Yeah, the clock. Yeah, the clock. Yeah, yes. that that was in the Verge's hand-on, and uh, I found that interesting. And and you know, Patel was basically like, you know, that's a little confusing, and I wonder how much that will get tweaked over time. Uh, but yeah, having glances, that's what I'm just, too. I mean, what you have to do is you have to think of glances as a subset of the of the clock face, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I agree with you. I think it should be available from anywhere. Now, again, you've only used it for a couple of minutes. I haven't used it, and so maybe once you're into it, that makes a lot of sense. Can I? But can it I seems give like an opposing thought on that. Like, so what, I, I agree that it's confusing, but I maybe feel like I can see some of the thinking in it. So yeah, yeah. glances are meant to be quick pieces of information, right? So they're the things that are there when you just turn on the watch once you've not used it for a while. Once you're past the watch phase, you use the apps to get the information? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a basic problem here. Because it's been seven months and we didn't get any additional information from Apple, we've all been used to think of glances as the iOS widgets. And so we kind of tricked ourselves into the mindset of saying, okay, glances are just like widgets. So we basically convinced our brains that you can activate glances from anywhere. So when you see the demo and it's only from the, let's call it the lock screen, so the clock, uh, you're like, oh my God, it doesn't, this doesn't make any sense because I want to look at glances from any screen. But it's just, it's just like how Mike said, when you're not in the clock, when you're not in the watch face, you have the apps, which are supposed to be, you know, quick interactions anyway. So it makes sense because when you, basically when you wear the watch, the lock screen, so uh, the watch face, the clock, um, it all, it, the screen turns on when you rotate the wrist, when you, when you actually want to look at the watch. So it turns on and off, and that's been done super well. Uh, at least in my test, like uh, I move my wrist, I, you know, just a ro rotation movement and it turns on. 
So from there, you look at glances. And when you accept the fact that it's only like, because the watch face is the place where you want to have a quick peek at information, it makes sense to have the glances there. Uh, I think we all just need, you know, a bit of time to, to get used to this stuff because it's been seven months and we kind of, because, you know, nerds are always in need for an explanation. We don't like to be left in the dark. Yeah. So in, in the past seven months, we just built this uh, image of how the, the watch OS architecture was like. And it's quite a bit different from our imagination. So, uh, of course, tech bloggers, when they got to the event, everybody freaks out because it's different. And because, it, you know, it takes a little time. I think once uh, the watch units um, go out to reviewers, I think it'll, and you, they'll have more time with the device, I think it'll, it'll make more sense. Yeah, and, and Mike, you, you absolutely nailed this point of... Uh, the watch face and the glances. So like I, I, what I said, that's I don't know how I will feel about it, but it's just like when I when I heard that and when I read that, that was just where my brain went. So it was like this: if I was gonna think of why they made this decision, that that might be it. And then like you think the clue is in the name with glances. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Federico, that that picture in the show notes uh, from Twitter is that the aluminum or the steel? That's the aluminum. I mean, because I was looking at Twitter, right? And this guy says that it's the steel one, the space gray one. And uh, I don't remember being yeah. as shiny as the people are saying on Twitter. Yeah. I well, mean, space, it is shiny. Space gray is what they call the aluminum. I mean, this is part of the problem, right? There's like 38 SKUs of this thing and it's hard to talk about. But Yeah, um, it's, it's a little confusing to, to remember all the model names and stuff. Yeah, I mean, this definitely looks flatter than some of them. When you go to the, in the, in the demo room, like I was able to look at all the watches. <laughs> it's so many of them. Like it, it really takes a bit of time to to understand what every watch is like and what every band is like. And so yeah, I think you know I, I think that this one may be the sport one actually. Um, uh, so aluminum, and I think it looks it looks nice. But also the link bracelet and the Milanese, when you see them in person, they look great. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I think to make sure, you know, that I... W because I really like those bands, they are, especially the link bracelet. So I think I'll go with the, with the steel one, even if it's a bit shinier and therefore a little more, uh, you know, subject to fingerprints and stuff. Um, but the link bracelet and the Milanese, they're... They are amazing. One one thing that I hope um, is that the bands remain usable on the next version. Yeah, and they have a whole new set. And then the ones that we have currently are called the 2015 edition. And then the next ones are the 2016 or 2016 collection. I think that would be really nice if they did that and that they were still usable. Because in theory, at least for version two, the sizes aren't going to change. So I, I think that that would be nice if, if they kept those... Uh, and I hope that that's the case. Yeah, I would. I would imagine that that they would at least for a while. I, I mean, think so. I think so. I, I, yeah. But we don't know. I mean, this is there's so many things that are new and weird about this. Like we haven't even talked about the gold one, um, which is crazy and expensive and not a tech product, but a fashion lifestyle product. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's just a lot of questions here, and um, I think as we go further into this. Like I mean I don't I don't even I'm not even sold to myself that this is going to be an annual update like the other 
bits of hardware. I mean, this might part of me thinks this could be on a longer refresh cycle than the other. I hadn't even thought products. of that. Like, yeah, there's yeah. nothing to say. This there needs to be one of these every year. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know because this is uncharted territory. Again, like um, they could, they could not update the watch but update the bands. Like, they yeah. could do whatever they want. They could, they could have, they could have uh, seasonal band updates. Yeah. Like field Which, notes, you just get a subscription. Well, more just like fashion, <laughs> but yeah, sure. Yeah. But like yeah, that would make sense to me, like as well that these are the spring collection, and there might be a fall collection. Right. You know, I hope I can get a camouflage one. That'd be awesome. Uh, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, well, there's we... the real there's the real watch apps coming in theory, like native apps. Right. So th- that could be a big update. Yeah. yeah. So do. Do we want to talk about the edition? Uh, I do want to point out that that Mike, you were right last week. You said again, Mike, this, you've been right. It's the year of the Mike place. being right. Um, you said last week that that you you had a thought that not even all Apple retail stores would get the the watch edition. Uh, I wrote about that last week, saying the Apple Store is the wrong place to sell such a watch because the Apple Store is, um. It's not a jewelry store. It's it's a very different thing. Um, so you were right about that. It seems like Apple Apple said that uh, the watch edition will be available at select retail locations. They didn't really get into what that means. Uh, there's been some talk of some pop-up watch shops that might get them, some jewelry stores might get them. We don't really know quite yet. Um, but you know, watching the watching the video, when you know Tim says, and it starts at ten thousand dollars, the room is just kind of silent. Like Federico, was that an uncomfortable moment in the room when that price point came out? No, I, there was some like some um, some people whispering, and you know, just saying. I, I think most people just knew, and I guess most people were saying John Gruber was right. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> if they would have said that in September, yeah. there would have been uproar. But yeah, at right. this point, everyone in that room knows what Gruber said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it know. was like like I remember the first thing I said to to the to the other uh, to some friends after the event was like, "Yeah, John was right." Uh, because, I was I mean, about that one though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was the first big claim from you know from John about the addition ten thousand dollars. But yeah, it was he was right. Yeah, um, and I think that's fine. I mean, I think that you know there there's been people complaining about that, but again, I don't think that I don't think the watch edition is a a tech product. I don't think it should be thought in the same way as, uh, that's, as uh, the sport. That's just how fashion works. Yeah, even if it's even if it's the same object, you pay for the different material. You pay right. for the exclusivity. You pay for the premium treatment. You know, it, it, it's just how it works. It's been this way for hundreds of years in the in the fashion business. So it's uh, it's really no surprise. I saw some. I saw this somewhere. Either a tweet or or, or in a, a post. I can't remember now where. And I hate it when I do that. But um, someone said like, if you are in the in the kind of world where you own ten thousand dollar watches, right? If that's the thing that you own, and and you're interested in this product, you don't want to have to buy a product that you wear in the day, and then when you go out in the evening, you have to take it off and then put your expensive watch on, like to go out. You just want to have your watch on all the time. So that's why this exists, and like that is could be one of the reasons that Apple made it is so that people that want to spend that amount of money, they can just wear their Apple Watch because it's kind of embarrassing for Apple to be like, you know, these like fancy people, they don't wear it when they're out and about on the town because it's not expensive enough. And and it kind of makes sense to me that. It's, and that sounds kind of weird, but like I, I kind of get that. 
Like, if you yeah, want to yeah. make this kind of product you, and you want to get everyone, you kind of got to go out there a little bit. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's uh, it's this weird new field for Apple. Yeah. Because when you make computers, when you make consumer electronics, most people tend to buy based on utility. So they look at the tech specs, they look at the price, and they consider what they need. But when you when you enter the fashion field, most people tend to buy irrationally. So they tend to buy not necessarily because, I don't know, because I need a bag, because I need to put stuff into the bag. So you could buy a $20 bag. Or you could buy the $5,000 uh, Gucci bag because you like it and because you want to make a statement. And that's the kind of mindset that most uh you know, the uh, followers of the Apple news cycle uh, have been stru- struggling to understand because it doesn't make sense to them to spend $10,000 on effectively the same watch, only the material changes. And yes, it doesn't make sense. That's the point. It doesn't have to make sense. That's just how people who have that kind of uh, disposable income to to spend on a on a watch. That's just how they're gonna do. You know, they, they just buy stuff because they can. And once you accept the fact that fashion is unlike technology, and that this is a new interesting combination of two worlds meshing together, it 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 sort of makes sense. And I think it's it. I mean, it's um, it's no surprise really. Yeah, I uh, I agree, and it's you know, if someone wants to drop that kind of money on this, like more power to them. Uh, yeah. But I think Apple, I think Apple's being realistic about it. That's why there's one that's three hundred and forty nine dollars. You know, that's yeah. Um, uh, I, I think the the sport one will be, I mean, will be very popular <laughs> at least in yeah, our circles absolutely <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> um no i mean my my mother for instance she's like i love the, the the gold one it looks beautiful of course but i'm gonna get the sport one because it's i want the apple watch because i think it looks nice i don't have ten thousand dollars to spend on a gold watch but i just want the apple watch so i'll get the, the rubber band which is nice it's uh, it's available in multiple colors and i think that's like the reasoning that most people will have um yeah Cool. Um, anything else we want to talk about? Anything, any parting thoughts, uh, Federico, from you having uh, made the journey? It was really, it was really quite an experience. And I came away, I mean, it, maybe it was the, you know, all the excitement, because when you, when you're there and you meet all these people, um, it's really like, it, it gives you um, like a, like a, like a, all these positive feelings right and you can and you you you're all excited for stuff but also i've been I, I haven't published all my thoughts because i wanted to really consider what i saw and i'm really really excited for the watch because i i think that for, from my perspective uh, i'll be primarily interested in communication and fitness stuff not necessarily about timekeeping because i pretty much already uh, every day my schedule is mostly already organized so I, I really don't need to manage my time better but communication and fitness will be huge for me and after what I saw after you know the demos and trying to watch 
and looking at the early apps and talking to people and talking to developers who are making more software for the watch, I really can't wait to, to try one. I, I think it is the right idea. I think I was very much wrong on many aspects when, when I talked to Mike, when I, when I almost had a fight with Mike about uh, smartwatches. I think I was, uh, yes, Mike was right. Mm -hmm. And I think I was wrong on some aspects. I think I was right on the health and fitness stuff, yep. and I think that there'll be even more coming in the future. So I'm really, I'm really excited for the watch. Yeah, I'm really excited too, and, and I'm so, so, so happy that you got to be there, Federico. Um, Thank you. Just yeah. so incredibly happy about it, and I know that so many people listening were. Uh, I had, a, I had a great day uh, planning out and, and sharing your travels. Uh, spotting you <laughs> yeah, in crowds. Awesome. Did yeah. you see the one where I drew the arrow over your head? Yeah. How did you find me there? Someone else did. I can't remember who. I, I put it in the tweet. <laughs> like it wasn't me that found that one. Uh, that was crazy. But it, but I liked it, and and yeah, that was a lot. Of, I had a lot of fun doing that and being involved uh, in in the in incredibleness that was happening that day. So uh, yeah, I know that. Um, I know that. Um, they. You know, we say this stuff often when there's always a, a big event with where you get to meet people. But for me, for me, it was the first time, right, to to switch from Twitter mode to real life mode, and it was really an experience because I'm not used to like I've been doing this for six years since 2009, and I've never ever met people in real life before. So I've basically I've condensed all these years of online interactions into a single, like, 10 hours um, with people. And it was really too much <laughs> to, you know, to take in all at once. And it, it was really amazing to get to know all these people and, you know, uh, bloggers and developers. There, there was people who got to, uh, to shake my hand while, you know, outside of the year. But when I was really... It was really amazing, and uh, I I, I want to do more of this stuff. Well, we we you have to be at WWDC. It's like a I brawling know, now. I it's know. a brawl. <laughs> it's an official rule. Um, that's I guess that's about it then for this week. Um, yeah. If you'd like to find show notes for today's episode, go to relay.fm/connected/thirty. Um, if you would like to find us all online, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Uh, Mr. Stephen Hackett, he's uh, the man in charge over at 512pixels.net, and he is at ISMH on Twitter. Uh, we have Mr. Federico Vitici too, at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, -I, as well as the host of this show. He's also the host of Virtual with me on Relay FM, and also the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. And I am Mike Hurley. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and you can find uh, many shows that I do, including this one, of course, at the fantastic relay.fm oh i didn't mention uh we spoke about that talk that i gave at the apple store that's now uh on on the internet uh i'll put a link to that in the show notes as well um that there, you there'll be an itunes link uh but you can find it i think it's kind of searchable in most apps now um, because it's in the iTunes store, so I think that's kind of how that, that tends to work. Um, thanks again to our sponsors for this week, our friends over at Hover and SaneBox, and also Swift Summit. Don't forget Swift Summit. So it would be a great thing for people to, to come along and learn about Swift. Um, but until next week, uh, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye now. Arrivederci. Adios.